Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. broadcast of Spirituality Today. I'm Jamie Sanders along with Denise Jurgen, bringing you another 90 minutes of inspiration, empowerment, and spiritual support to assist you in living this extraordinary journey we call life. On today's show, we welcome back our buddy, Coach Carla McClellan, to share her wisdom and insight, and who is always, well, she's just a blast to chat with, play with on the air, as well as in person. She's one of our favorites. And then in the last hour, we will be talking with Dr. Jerry Levine about what is personal power. Do we embrace it? Do we know exactly what it is? And how does it mix with our spiritual power in day-to-day living? And speaking of people who bring me joy, my outstanding co-host is here. Denise, what's happening in the music city today, and how are you? Well, it is getting hotter, and, you know, we are in the CMA Awards. So, Jamie, I'm actually surprised you're not down here rooting around with all these millions of people that are here in Nashville, Tennessee, enjoying good old country music and just celebrating. And we see that probably the... Uh, television program Nashville is going to be picked up by another pro, uh, station. So, you know, things are rocking and rolling in Music City, USA. How about you in Pensacola? Uh, well, it's it's hot here, too, let me tell you. And then, of course, yesterday was big here in Pensacola because they flew back the body of the Blue Angel pilot who crashed oh, in yes. Tennessee. So the whole city was turned out for that to watch the, the flyby of the, the plane returning his body. So there's a lot of... Um, reflection and a lot of respect being paid to that pilot because they're all stationed here at Pensacola Naval Air Station. And then, of course, what you're talking about, I've always wanted to go to, I think years ago they called it Fanfare, but now CMA is doing all of this. I've never gone. I've never gone to the opening of Dollywood simply because that much of a crowd would probably freak me out a bit. So one well, day know I that last year out. I went, and the crowd was just almost more than I could take. But you know what, Jamie? We need to get it on your calendar because you need to come down here and enjoy some of it sometime with us. Absolutely, and I'm excited. I posted on Facebook I was doing a happy dance last night about possible CMT, Country Music Television, picking up the television show Nashville. It's one of my favorite shows, so I'm holding that in prayer. I'm sure God's listening to that prayer, like all the prayers going up. That's an important one. 
Well, and you know, that thing has really done a really positive thing for the city of Nashville because it's put Nashville on the map in a very different way, you know, and we are seeing that, you know, there is an influx of people coming in here. So we're becoming a very busy, but what I can tell you, a very prosperous and abundant city. So, you know, there's good in everything. Absolutely. And speaking of good, we got Coach Carla back today. And so welcome back, Carla. How you been? Been great. Thank you guys for having me back on the show. Um, uh, it's hot here in Kansas City, not as hot as it's going to get tomorrow and the next day, but the weather is just has been beautiful. And talking about uh, country stars, I saw my favorite guy um, at an outdoor amphitheater uh, last week, Keith Urban. Ooh, yes, ma'am. And I live right say, here in Nashville, Tennessee. I know, I know. I don't know why you're not inviting me to to come see you because well, I, mean, I will. You know what? I need to put you on on the radar and get you down here because this is a fun place to be. Of course, Jamie will get angry if I bring you and don't bring him at the same time, right, Jamie? Well, even if even if you let her speak, if she's coming, I'm coming. Okay, <laughs> good. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm telling you, that was one of the best all-time, and I'm an old lady, uh, uh, shows I've been to. He kicked off his ripcord uh, tour here in Kansas City, and I don't know if he'd played in Kansas City um, uh, much before, but he just, he said Kansas City, the rest of the tour has a lot to live up to. We loved on that boy. He just was, and he brought Nicole. Oh, Oh, wow. Wow. So are you doing a segue into our talk today about what we're going to talk about with Coach Carla is things that we want? Is is that a segue? Absolutely. It is a segue (laughs) because, (laughs) as my husband knows, I want to see Keith Urban anytime he's around. I'll even drive to Memphis, you know, or Nashville or St. Louis or Savannah, wherever this guy is, I will. Um, I want to be there. I so how do we manifest what we want? That's a really interesting question. And new thought speakers and uh, uh, motivational speakers have talked about this for many, many years. How everybody's got a book on it, right? Most definitely. Uh, how do we? How do we get what we want? Well, I, there's, there's three very powerful questions we all need to be reflecting upon within ourselves. The, the first one is, who am I? Who am I? The second one is, what do I want? And the third thing is, what am I going to give? Hmm. So I have a retreat starting tomorrow, and those are the three questions um, we're going to play with through the weekend. One of my claims to fame is that I'm marinated in unity. Both of my parents were unity ministers, and I, you know, I grew up listening to principles the, you know, throughout my life. And, and as I've awakened on this journey to the power of that, I'm, like, passionate about helping people begin to see that in the uncertainty of today's world, we can always stand upon spiritual principles. 
And so the principle is what do you want is the promise that we are given. God is all these amazing qualities, and we are the living expression of these amazing qualities of God. So we got to know what we want to put that forward into the world because we've got to have a clear vision. Otherwise, we just, um, we just run around being busy. And I'm running into busy, busy, busy people who are exhausted, frustrated, and done. You know, I'm done. I can't do one more thing. And so I say to them, well, what do you want? Well, what do you mean, what do I want? I'm a mother, I can't do that. I'm a wife, I can't do No, 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 no. What would you love in your mind, imagine, what would you love to be doing in your life that you're not doing right now? What would you love to be doing? And it really throws people a curveball. You know, it's interesting, Carla, because you and I do some similar things yes. in ministry as far as coaching people, and I say this many, many times when I'm doing a workshop or even talking on Sunday morning. When I ask people the question of what would you love or what would you want, in, invariably they're going to give me a two-minute, three-minute explanation of what they don't want first. Exactly. Exactly. And I keep going, okay, and what do you want? (laughs) And eventually, of course, I laugh because that's part of who I am as a person, and they're looking at me like, what do you mean? And I will say, here's what I heard you say. You heard, I heard you say, well, I don't want this, and I really don't want that. And I, don't, and I said, but I have not heard one thing that you really want. What would you yeah. love in your life? It's just amazing that we, as human beings, sometimes come at it from the negative slant. Well, yeah. And, and you know, we can focus our energy like a laser beam right. when we figure out what we want. It just makes life so much clearer. You know, um, Jamie, your your song at the beginning of the show, there was a line I wrote down that says, lead me to a brighter day. Mm, right. And, and I think that's the human condition. Lead me to a brighter day. Wake me up to something more than um, <clears throat> the routine. You know, none of us signed on for a mediocre life. And none Not of us. me. No, and none of us are without the power to transform our life right now, right where you are. It starts by getting clear. What do you want? What do you really, really want? What do you want? What do you want? What do you want, Jamie? Well, you know, I was I was just thinking while you were saying all of that a lot, because I've done like, like Denise was saying, you'll ask someone, they'll come in for counseling, and you will say, what do you want? What is your vision? What do you want to manifest as your desire? And they will say, I want to be happy. And I'm mm-hmm. waiting. You know, go, okay, that's it. I want to be happy. Well, what does that look like? Because you were saying you have to be specific. And so you make mm-hmm. the list. You sit down and you go, for me to be happy starting right now, what action steps could I take? What could I embrace? What could I release? And not just be so, you know, the whole thing of, I just want to be happy. Or somebody say, um, I want to be healthy. I want to be wealthy. 
well, everybody has a different definition of what all of those words yeah. mean. So you pull it out of them. That's the coaching thing. Tell me what wealthy would look like for you. And and but in you know, the same thing, I've told the story before on the show that someone came to me one night and said, which I posted a video the other day about being single, and somebody said, why aren't you in a relationship? What are you looking for? And just like Denise said, the first thing out of my mouth was, I'll tell you what I don't want. And I <laughs> rattled off this whole script of terms that I have created, and and then I heard it coming out of my mouth, and I went, oh, my God, I couldn't rattle that much off and that quickly of what I do want. So I realized mm-hmm. I have some work to do of reframing, you know, as and you're saying as humans, I do think we are taught to point out what is um, not What's right, wrong. and I'm doing the right, everything, this this could have been done better. Okay, well, tell me. Tell me, I wrote a word down. I wrote two words on one of the shows recently. Where did I stick it? That Denise said about, what was it, like an outburst of what? Having an, um, Lord, what is that called? You're going to ask me, and my brain's not going to work. Of um, course. Yes. It's it's one of I the law of attractions things. It's it's um, having an... It, it's an outburst of appreciation or an yes. outburst of gratitude where I am just constantly right. looking at everything and going, okay, I'm grateful for this, I'm grateful for this, and I'm grateful for this so that it can shift your vibrational energy. It is right. so important. Our vibration um, uh, uh, is what attracts. We know that. It's, it's a spiritual principle. That which we focus our mind upon with with our predominant emotion is what we're drawing to us. And so knowing that, it is important that we we know what we want and we often start by looking at what we don't want. In fact, research is showing um, that our brain, the human brain, is automatically tipped towards the negative. And I think that gives a sense of relief to me. You know, it doesn't mean I'm not spiritual in those moments. No, it's just my brain's tipped that way. Am I safe? Is there danger? What's missing here? You know? Well, and, you know, in our world, we have been taught that way because, you know, I know even with raising my boys, when they go to school and you take a test, you know, you don't go, oh, look, here's nine that I got right, and look at those. You you immediately go, okay, yes. I did these wrong, so let's look and see how I did them wrong. Well, you know, you know because we're, we're in the mindset of going to fix something, even yeah. though I think we realize in the practice of universal law that if I focus more on what I do right and what works for me, that I'm going to get more of that. You know, I... Um, I define a principle, a spiritual principle, as a statement of truth upon which you base your beliefs and your behaviors. It points to what's meaningful for you. It never changes, and right. it, is, uh, it, it is neutral. It doesn't care. Right. It, you know, you are the one that either align yourself with that vibration um, or not. And then you'll get a different result than what you want to be getting. But if you don't know what you want, you're going to get lots of different stuff. You know, right. 
Sunil, when I think, Jamie, you were talking about um, the Blue Angel, the ceremony right. you had. You know, it is not, we don't know um, uh, what was going on within that individual. He was not being punished for a thought he had. He was not being punished for an emotion he was carrying. So, you know, it's a lot deeper than, oh, well, just change your vibration, change your life. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's right. like he, his soul came in with a blueprint for what this life journey would look like. That's my belief. Yes. And when I hold that belief, I can demonstrate qualities of being that let me know I'm on purpose for my life, like I can demonstrate compassion and kindness and generosity of spirit. I can generate kindness and respect and honor someone who who lived a life well. I don't have to know what went wrong. Right. But I do want to celebrate what went right. And and so often in in our Church communities, I, I love to go around and talk at, at church communities about um, principles and how to use them because I, I will say last Sunday I was in a, in a community and they're getting their new minister in a couple of weeks. And I said, okay, I'm going to ask you a question. Are you willing, do you want to, are you willing to support him 100%? And they all went, yes. And I said, <laughs> This has been a year-long search. Are you willing, no matter what? Yes! And I said, now let me tell you what that means. (laughs) Yay, I'm glad it was you. (laughs) (laughs) This is my favorite talk. (laughs) And they loved it. Because you cannot be in that competitive, this is right, this is wrong, um, you got to do it my way, or we've never done. You know, it doesn't work if you do it like that. You've got to be in the creative mindset and collaborate together. You've got to be focused on what you do want. Where's what's the intention? What's the vision for the church? So, holding that vision means that when the chatter of the mind comes up, which it always will, you know, he'll wear something you don't like. You know, he'll say something you don't like. Um, who might not be deep enough for you or funny enough for you, but you are promising, you're making a sacred promise. I am willing to support this minister no matter what. And when it's reciprocal, ah, you got a marriage made in heaven. That's beautiful, Carla. I mean, really, really beautiful. Because I know Jamie and I have spent many hours talking about church community and spiritual community and what we're creating and it's always interesting that um you know we don't necessarily seem to have a hundred percent of our congregants ready to actually do that if you know what i mean i do not focusing on what i don't want but just stating the fact that it's interesting that um in, even in the unity movement where we will have people that have been in the movement for 30, 40, 50 years, 
you know, they still will seem to focus on what they don't want. And it's like, okay, how do we work together, like you said, to create a mission and a vision and move forward together and not worry or nitpick about little things that don't really make any difference to the bigger picture? What you have to well, say about that, Jamie Sanders? Well, you know, Jerry, Dr. Jerry's coming on in a few yes. minutes with us. And one of the things that I've seen, Jerry works for the um, – for the organization, uh, Erlen Method, yes. and that's where she goes around. And I've seen videos, and I've spent time with her one-on-one. And in the videos, these people who have issues, challenges, physical, <clears throat> emotional. I saw one where the person had a tick. They kept stuttering and stammering, and they would hold up a different lens to their eyeballs. And all of a sudden, mm-hmm. in the video, one of the people stopped twitching or stuttering or whatever the, the thing was. Wow. And what, I, what I'm listening to both of you saying is, similar to what Jerry does with this work, is I, if I just look through a different lens, yeah. right, you know, if I look through a different lens, I can cease all the, the challenges, which would be, for, for some of us, it's negativity, complaining. But it also has to do, I mean, Jerry explains it, that the light comes through our, I guess, our optic nerves or the lens of our mm-hmm. eyeballs differently for some people. And when that that lens, we put a new lens for them to view life differently through, the issues fade. And so I think there's a deep metaphysical thing there. And I do think sometimes we just have to go, you know, I say all the time, and it makes me laugh, you know, about everybody has to tell you what's wrong. And even at church, I'll say, hey, 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 tell me something right. (laughs) And they'll go, well, you know, you just stood here telling me everything that you don't like. Look around. All these other people had a great time. It's you. So it's it's also not tolerating that behavior from our friends. We can't change them, but we can say, Johnny Coleman used to say, not in my presence, you won't. Right. You want to talk about lack and limitation? Not on this church property. You go across the street (laughs) to Walmart and talk all that lack business. You ain't doing it up in this church. So I think it really is about us asking for guidance from the God within us, the spirit within us, to see through a different lens. That's my take. And, you know, Carla, the other thing that you had in your three questions that I think sometimes we forget about in our pursuit towards our goals or our dreams is what am I going to give or what am I willing to give of myself towards that. And Mm -hmm. can you speak to that for just a minute? Because I think that is so important. Absolutely. I know both of you have had experiences with people who just are longing for a soulmate. Here's what I want. I want a soulmate to blah, 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 blah. But are they willing to get out and give it? Oftentimes, because if, you, if you're giving it out, you'll get it back. Yes. That's the law. That's the now, law. wait a minute. What are we talking about here? <laughs> <laughs> Just yeah. kidding. What you give out, you're going to get back then, Sanders. <laughs> I'm writing it down. I'm writing it down. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's in giving. It's in giving. You give. You give because you're a giving person. You give because the universal pulse of, the, of, of life is love and making a difference. And we're wired to give. So what we want to receive, we start by giving that out. Give it away. Give it away. You will receive more love than you ever could 
have imagined. Because outside of our structures of knowing things, like this is right, this is wrong, this is how a woman behaves, this is how a man behaves, this is what marriage looks like, this is this, why miracles. And I want I want to swim in the miracles. And each and every day, if I'm looking for a miracle, I'm finding one. That's just amazing. You know, one of the things that I use in when I talk about relationships and love and giving is I usually will jump down from the podium and say, you know, go to somebody and, like, kneel down in front of them and grab their hands or their legs and just say, you just got to love me. And they just look at me like I have lost my mind. And I said, you know, that's the way some of us go out into the world. Uh-huh. You just got to love me, you know. What if we go out giving love, like you said, and then we're going to get it back? But, yeah. you know, we were taught to look <laughs> looking for love in all the wrong places. There's another song. <laughs> you know, and it's like I keep thinking it's going gonna, it's gonna to find me, but... It's the the law is again what you were talking about. What I give out, I'm going to receive back. That and and the law is always working. It is immutable. It does yes. not change. So in this changing um, world that we live in, that where we're inundated by all these stressors, um, information being poured at us all the time, um, uh, constant, constant feedback from our computers, from our TV, from our cell phone, everything's pouring on us. We forget to go within and connect with the truth of who we are. There is that within us that has never been born or died. It is the spirit, living spirit. When you connect with that, a brighter day begins to appear. So it, it, it really, if you stand upon principles throughout the course of your day, you can make it through anything. And I have gone through a heck of a lot of stuff with my father's voice whispering in my ear, stick to principle, Carla, stick to principle. And things that I would have never imagined I could do or, or be able to integrate into my life. Um, so I know what it's like to be cracked open and, and broken to, uh, to then go deeper into, well, who am I now? What do right. I want? What will I give? So, Carla, in this closing segment, because we only got a few more minutes, can you tell for someone who's listening who says, you know, I yeah. really do want this or I want that, or where could they start right now? What would Coach Here. Carla say to, to take your first step? Here's what you would recommend they attempt to do. Sit down, take a deep breath and another deep breath, have a pen and paper in front of you, and write down, Ten things you love. Ten things you love. Then expand that ten to twenty. So you're creating within yourself the energy of love, the vibration of love. Oh, I love this. You're reconnecting with your passion. And and so as you're reconnecting with that, this is what I'd love. Say to yourself, what would I love to be doing next week that I'm not doing now. You look at your list of the things you love, pick one. Go do it. Okay. Or give it well, and give it away. 
Thank you so much for being with us again. You're always, you always give us a lot to think about. I know Denise takes notes, I take notes, and I'm sure the listeners are too. So we look forward to having you back on in upcoming episodes and know that we love you and always appreciate what you bring to the show. Back at you both. Love you. Bye, Bye Carla. She's always so much fun. Oh, I just love her. She's always got so much yeah. energy. You know what I mean? Oh, you should be with her face to face. She's a wild woman. It makes me <laughs> laugh. I can't stop laughing. So I've anyway, only this done next that a few segment, times, but I definitely want to do that. Laugh or be with Carla? <laughs> Both of them. Well, you know, I laugh every day, all day long about things, even inappropriate laughter. So you know, it's right. just. So I'm going to tell the listeners. Out. I I got to tell the listeners that if you if you're ever in a crowd and you want to know where Denise Jurgen is, <laughs> if she laughs, you'll find her. You've been in the right. middle of CMA in Nashville because she has a laugh you know, that is contagious and joyful. <laughs> it is so funny because when we had our peace day, one of my congregants that I didn't see that day, but there were hundreds of people on our ground, so I really didn't see everybody. When I saw her at church, I said, I am so sorry that I didn't see you yesterday. She said, well, I didn't see you either, but I heard you in the middle of everything. I heard this <laughs> raucous laughter, and I said, well, there's Denise. So, yes. I think people people know my laughter before they even know sometimes who I am or where all that's coming from. And what a thing to be known for. You know what I mean? People I say, oh, agree. I can't stand her. But they love the laugh, and that's the, <laughs> she the good match. <laughs> Which reminds me, this this next this co-host person that we have today as our guest co-host, uh, I know her as Jerry Levine. She is really Dr. Jerry Levine. She is one of my buddies from the Edwin Gaines uh, retreats. Um, she's just we hit it off right away. I'm so proud of the work that she does. So I want to tell you a little bit about her. She's going to be joining us in just a few moments to lead us in our discussion amongst the three of us about stepping into our personal power. So here's a little bit about Jerry. Dr. Jerry Levine is an educational psychologist who has been working in the Atlanta area for more than 25 years, helping children and adults reach their goals and dreams by teaching them how to better process information. She has created a series of audio CDs, the Effective Brain Series, to help people better understand their learning and processing styles and how to use that information to create the lives they want. Jerry is an Erlen director certified in the Erlen method, neurofeedback practitioner, and a SIMA practitioner. She is a workshop facilitator and conference speaker, most recently addressing the 2013 Cancer Survivors Conference and the 2015 Erlen International Conference. She is also, I'm so proud of her, a fire walking instructor. She is a graduate, mm-hmm. like myself, of the Edwin Gaines Master School and a prosperity teacher specializing in goal setting forgiveness and meditation so one of the other things i want you to know that i know personally she is she is very authentic she is very real um she has has that gift of cutting through stuff that sometimes you know sometimes when we're dealing with people denise i know you know this some people (laughs) try to say the things they think we want to hear them say jerry cuts Mm -hmm. through it she knows (laughs) you're trying to pull one over on her and she's just an exciting playful professional spiritual being and we're so honored to have her on the show today so jerry dr jerry levine welcome to the show and thanks for being with us thank you so much i'm so excited to be with y'all today so i don't know if you were listening we were talking about with coach carla about manifesting and creating the things that we want in our lives and one of the things that i shared was one of the videos that you had shared on YouTube of the work that you do with the Erlen Method about how the, the person has challenges, um, 
physical, emotional, and in the video, I remember the person, the woman was holding up the different lenses to her, and all of a sudden, she ceased all the the challenging issues she was having physically. Do you remember that video? I do, I do. And I love the way that you use that example is that lens. So in Erlen, we're dealing with, there are many of us that have this, and it has nothing to do with intellect or ability. I have surgeons at Northside Hospital in lenses. I have anchors at CNN in, in Erlen Contacts. It's not just people that have tics or have trouble with reading or that kind of thing. But for, and I have it as well. And for some of us, there's just a part of the brain that doesn't process light correctly. And because we don't process light correctly, when we find those filters that allow us to process light correctly, we can read, we can stand under fluorescent lighting without getting headaches, our anxieties are reduced, and we can sometimes come off medication. We have depth perception where we didn't. And it's just amazing the different ways that how our inability to process light affects us. And I loved the way you tweak that into not only is it a physical issue at times, but physiologically my brain doesn't process light like yours does, but also emotionally and cognitively and spiritually how that lens makes such a difference in our perception. And you know what I was thinking about, Jamie and Dr. Jerry, is that what a metaphysical statement also that I don't process light correctly. Because when I think about light and the bigger picture of that we are all a part of the light that is the living, loving spirit of God that created everything we see, I'm like, wow, that's a huge thing that I know that there are times even spiritually that I don't process the light correctly, and so I forget who I really am, and I can't see others as they really are, so... That just went through my brain, and I had to share. That's perfect, because what what I one of the things I'm hoping that we get to do today is talk a little bit about what does that mean to be genuine, and what does that mean to stand in our personal power, and how does being powerless or using social power different from being powerful, and then. I've got some exercises that are so simple that we can do to increase our connection to that through our brains, that we can stimulate different parts of our brains to make it easier to get into a position of personal power. And I believe that the more I stand in my own power, the easier it is for me to stay connected to my source. Well, you know, and I know Jamie probably has something else to ask you about all this, but, you know, the first thing I heard when I I got out there and looked at all of your stuff on the Internet, and it was about learning knowing yourself. And so I would like to hear you speak about how important that piece is in this whole process, because I, I got excited when I saw you were coming. I have 10 plus years of my um, work was at the School for the Blind in Nashville, Tennessee. 
And mm. so working with people that could not see at all and people that could see limited abilities and working with them about how they learned and the process that they learned and different styles of learning for different ways that people could see more, people could see less. And I thought, you know, one of the first things I did as a school counselor and a school psychologist is helped children and their parents understand who this child really was to begin with and what we were working with and how to move forward. So I would love to hear you talk about how, you know, when I understand myself better, then I can step into my own personal power. Absolutely, and there's so many ways to do that. And real quickly, since you talked about working with the blind, one thing that just fascinates me is that, you know, when we cross, if, if it's a runner and a person crosses the finish line, what happens? Their arms go up in a V, their chest goes forward, their chin goes up, right? It is, it's a position yes. of power. And gym, gymnasts, before they step onto the mat, go through that ritual as well. Well, one of the things that's so interesting to me is when we know ourselves and when we know we're in that place, it doesn't really matter what our situations are because there have been studies of people who have been blind since birth. So they've never seen another person act or move or, or gesture at all. And when people who have been blind since birth feel in their power and feel proud, they will immediately throw their shoulders back, lift their chin, and if not their arms, break into a smile. Wow. It, it's so amazing to me how innately we know what to do. We really do know what to do. And I think people that love us very much, our teachers and our parents, spend a lot of time trying to beat us into their way of processing, of their way of thinking, because it works for them. I made an A in this class, and I know how you can make an A in this class. <laughs> I was successful in this line of work, and I know how you'll be successful, and it's just not the case. We're all so different. We all learn consciously, subconsciously, and unconsciously, and we all learn, for those of us without you know, other issues, the majority of us learn visually, auditorily, and kinesthetically. So the trick is kind of knowing which one you are on which level, because we all do all three. We need to know the areas that allow us to cognitively learn better, and we also need to learn those areas that allow us to go into a, a deeper state, a, a meditative state, a talking to God kind of state, where we use more of the subconscious and the unconscious. And one of the reasons I got so into this was when I do a lot of fire walks. I have walked with Edwin a billion times, and we have been leading our own fire walks for about eight or nine years all over the country. And we have people write, you know, things they want to release from their lives and things they want to bring into their lives. And when I'm writing and something comes up on my list, that I've written before, a number of things happen all at one time. There's, there's some shame and why can I not get rid of this and, and anger. And it just, it, you know, it, it brings up a lot of emotions that we're wanting to release necessarily. And so the more I 
played with that, the more I started to believe that, okay, there's something in my system, and I believe unconscious or subconscious, because I don't seem to have a lot of control, that this issue keeps coming up on every page where I want to release. So I've got to better connect to my subconscious and unconscious in order to get to those depths to really connect with that. Because if I'm not releasing it, cognitively I can let go of this. Yeah, I know I don't want any more of this in my life. But I wasn't getting it completely. Does that make sense? Most definitely it does make sense. And and so by knowing how I process subconsciously and unconsciously, and can use those when I go into a state of prayer or meditation, it allows me to, to get there. And, and that's what we want, I think, is, is to be able to connect, to be able to interact on a level that we're really developing the lives we want. We get told a new thought all the time. If you want it, you can have it. Well, okay, I need, I'm, I'm one of those people, man. Give me a list of instructions then. You know, tell me how to do that. And this is a place where my clients and myself, I feel like we all kept bumping up against a wall. And it was like, well, I'm, I'm not getting the forgiveness piece because I'm not getting it on some deeper level. So that's part of, of knowing yourself. And if anyone's interested, they can go to the, my website, theefficientbrain.com or efficientbrain.com. And there's a 15-question quiz that will help you determine how you process consciously, subconsciously, and unconsciously. Because when we understand those different levels, it makes life so much easier. When I have a couple that comes in for couples counseling and you have one partner that's very visual if you're on a conscious level, if you're not making eye contact and you're not listening to me, we're not connecting, and that poor partner is kinesthetic on a conscious level, and they can't make sustained eye contact and pay attention. And so as soon as you can explain to them how they process, how they think, and how that is impeding their interactions, oh, my gosh, things turn around so quickly because all of a sudden the visual person isn't being ignored. And the kinesthetic person isn't being shamed because they can't do it right. We learn how to compromise, and then we can talk to each other, and it just makes it so much easier. Jamie, you're being awfully quiet. What's going on in your in your mind around all this? Well, <clears throat> Jerry, Jerry and I had this conversation not too long ago, and what's mm-hmm. interesting to me is, you know, we talk about taking things personally. <laughs> Yeah, And so when Jerry breaks it down like she just did, so you think mm-hmm. about all those relationships or friendships that didn't pan out so good, and you go, right. oh, my God, I, you know, I bet they process things differently than I do. I mean, one of the things that I, had, I remember telling Jerry was, and I'm one of these people that if there's some crap going on, I want to talk about it. You know what I mean? Let's lay our cards on the table. You mad right. at me? Tell me. You go, you mad at me? Nope. You sure? Nope. Whereas that person has to have time to process before they react or respond to you. And what I can see in my own life, I don't know if, I mean, if you can, that maybe what we thought was some sort of um, they weren't loving, they didn't love me, or they was really they didn't know how to process the way I processed, and so I made it a personal attack. 
Well, and, you know, I can use myself and my partner, Judy, with that because I am a very visual person. I'm, I'm uh, Jerry, I've studied NLP for years, and uh, right. I am an NLP master practitioner, and we use the same um, visual auditory kinesthetic processes in that, too. And I am a very visual person, and then kinesthetic, and then auditory. Those are my modes of operation. My partner, Judy, is first an auditory person. She is a musician. And so what I know about her is when we are having some sort of a snafu in our relationship or we're aggravated at each other, I have to be very mindful of the way I say things and the tone of my voice because that is very important to her. And if the tone of my voice gets a little bit on the edge, which it can when I'm upset about something, she immediately goes to a place where she's a little girl and it's her mother scolding her. And then we get crossways with each other. Does that make any sense? Oh, it makes perfect sense. And how nice of you being auditory unconscious. Yes, I'm totally it's auditory it's unconscious. Right, it. but it's and that takes a certain it takes such a skill level to be able to then be really aware of the voice tone that you're using. Because when someone's auditory unconscious it's so easy for them to not hear how they sound. Right. Right. Well so and you know, I would love to ask at. you something because sure. um I don't know that I was always auditory unconscious, but my mother was a rageaholic. And so Mm -hmm. she screamed and screamed and screamed at me all the time. And my belief is that I turned all that off a long, long time ago because it was too, too painful. The things my mother was saying to me and her screaming is that a possibility that I might have oh. done that? Because now I am a musician, I'm a vocalist, I'm really good at singing and harmonizing with people, but it, when it comes to people talking to me and their tones of voice, it's like I just shut that down somehow or other. Oh, that's such a great example of what happened because we come, my, the best analogy that I have is that you're building a house. And you run the electric, and you put up the sheet wall, and you paint it. And you, you know, you when it's all said and done, and you go to the den, and you go to plug the lamp in because that's where the lamp is going to go is in that outlet, and the out and the lamp does not come on. Yes. That lamp was supposed to be in that room. That's where right. it was intended to be. But something happened in the wiring. Sure. So when we are a certain learning style and we are completely bombarded with something that shuts down that particular modality, then absolutely we we tend to compensate. And in compensating, we become stronger in other areas to make up for the lack in that area. A lot of times when I start this with someone, I'll say, you know, if you have to remember information for a test, this is vital information that you have to be able to remember. Do you want to see it or hear it? Well, I want right. to. Well, I appreciate that. But, you're, you know, you are hanging by a string and you've got to know it. What do you want? So when we do this understanding of who we are, 
sometimes we really have to go back to no thought, don't think about it, what is the natural gut instinct? Because especially, Denise, with someone who's very intelligent, like yourself, it's easier to compensate. And so I don't think that you are auditory unconscious at all, but I think you've had to push that part of you down for survival. And well, and the so, other thing I would say is as I started going through high school and college, I um, many times would find myself shutting down in a lecture. You know, mm-hmm. it was like I, I, I knew that if I could get it and see it visually, that I probably could get it and, and get the information, but it was like after a while, and I, I'm, you know, I put all this together when I was studying NLP years ago, right. but I just wanted right. to hear some of your perception of it because I really appreciated everything I saw on several of the websites that you have, is that it felt to me like I shut that part of myself down, which made it harder on myself because, you know, going through, I have a master's degree in psychology, and going through college, a whole lot of what I was doing was sitting and listening to someone, and it almost would remind me of the Charlie Brown thing, wah, 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 wah. (laughs) And I would think, I have no clue what that person just said. You know, and it was like I was Uh trying to, I try to take notes if I'm listening to someone, so at least I've got a visual of that there. Does that make Uh sense to you? Mm -hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. So, Were you you a good athlete? I, I was actually. So I was you, in. I was in okay. uh, dance, and I was in, um, well, gymnastics. Yes. Okay. So when you go to learn a new physical skill, is that does it come pretty quickly, or does it take some practice? Um, it usually comes pretty quickly. Now, if I want to be proficient at it. Does that make sense? I know mm-hmm. that I'm going to have to practice. Like, okay. you know, I, I'm thinking about um, learning how to do a round off or something. I mean, the first time I ever decided that, you know, I was going to do that, I watched somebody do it, and then I did one. But to become proficient at it so I could pull it off in style every time I had to practice that. Or I play the piano. So to do that well, I had to make sure I practiced my scales. But, yes. I don't know. I think you may have this right. I think you may be visual kinesthetic auditory. Right, right. Really, do. and I may. I, I be. think you. I, yeah, I think you really might be. Just from the way you. What do you do to relax? What do you do for fun? What I do for fun. Do I, do I to like to be around stress? water. I like to mm-hmm. go walking. I like to be around animals. Um, I like to go somewhere where there's music playing. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah, visual, kinesthetic, auditory for sure. Yes. But I think it's a good example, though. You're so bright that it's easier to compensate and you have the ability to use subconscious and unconscious in a more conscious way sometimes. So that's, that's really neat that you've got that ability to kind of manipulate a little more than perhaps some of us do to switch in and out of, of different gears. That's awesome. Well, and I think also because I studied NLP for so long, I, and that again, that's the the way they explained all of this to us. You know, it was like, mm-hmm. oh, 
I glommed on it in the 80s. It was like, whoo, I found a tool that maybe I can use. And, you know, the other thing I saw on your website is that, you know, you've done work with children and adults. And, you know, I have always believed if we could teach this way with children, more would not have all these problems of trying to learn and everything. So could you speak to that? Oh, absolutely. I, I could, thank you. I could not agree more. And it's so funny. My poor little, I do lots of different things in the practice. And other doctors refer to me for the Erlen specifically just because I'm the only Erlen director in the, in the Southeast. And they don't get to leave without learning some breathing techniques and cool. some posturing for success and little bitty things that you can do all the time that have nothing to do with our Erlen process, but everything to do with just the concept of, I want you to have the biggest toolbox possible. Yes. It's not about getting knocked over. We're all going to get knocked over. Trouble's not going to completely go away, and there's always going to be something. That's not, to me, the goal is to not get out of a life where I have no problems. My goal is to develop a life that when a problem comes up, even if I get knocked off balance, I don't have to stay off balance. That I've got something or a multitude of things, hopefully, in that toolbox that bring me back to center, you know, that put me right back in the flow. Okay, I got knocked off, and that's something that's got to be handled, but I'm handling it here. I'm back in the flow. I'm back connected to God. I'm back in my source. I know who I am, I can do this. And there are just there's so many little things that we can do to increase that feeling of, of power. You know, powerlessness is so finite, and powerfulness is so infinite. So we have access to and control over a limitless inner resource. And so it just makes so much sense to me that every time I see these clients and especially especially my little ones, that, you know, if I can teach you two breathing techniques, or if I can teach you a breathing technique and a posture that you can use and you're in the first grade or the second grade or the tenth grade, holy cow, if you will carry that with you, just imagine how much different that brain is going to respond when problems come up. And it's just, it's it's so fun to be able to, you know, to to have the opportunity to say, wait a minute, so when you start to feel anxious, because when we feel anxious, all that is is we think that we we can't do it. We don't have access to the resources we need to deal with a threat. And chronic and acute anxiety really impairs some of our most cognitive functions. And so when we learn how to decrease the anxiety, when we learn how to slow the amygdala down, we come into a place of power and we can protect ourselves against negative emotions. We can connect to other people so much better. Our thinking's more liberated. We're synchronized. Our actions are ignited. And even once our actions are ignited, our actions are even more effective than they would have been before. Well, Jamie, what's going on in that big old smart brain of yours? Well, I'm thinking, I'm looking at the the whole thing about, you know, this whole thing, the discussion around personal power has to do mm-hmm. with 
you know, it's coming up for me, what I keep hearing echo in me while I'm listening, is about accountability. And some people have no clue, had no clue, that there was something they could do. But, I mean, this whole thing about personal power, it's for the body, the mind, and the spirit. And about us, you know, seeking our personal best to step into our personal power. And it also has to do with realizing, um, again, I think we spend our lives comparing ourselves to other people. Um, I think we do it as ministers. I think we do it as just everyday folks with our family members, our close acquaintances. You know, I'm not enough because this person's better at this than I am. But it's realizing that stepping into your personal power is, I think what what Jerry is saying is about really figuring out who we are, how we show up, how we do what we do, and to not beat ourselves up about it, but what can I do to create in me um, more self-esteem, more more desire to become the best authentic person and spiritual being that I can become. So, I mean, the whole thing's coming up for me around swirling around personal power, spilling over into spiritual power, and then I keep hearing the accountability. It's up to me to bring my best game on. It's up to me to figure out what my challenges or my issues are, and I can't do that if I spend my time feeling sorry for myself and blaming other people. So, Absolutely. Jerry, the other thing that you said that I I heard, again, because I've always thought that there was a physiological thing, process that goes on, too, because I, I talk to people in my own private practice about the word I use is hunkered. Some people come into a certain situation, and they, even when I look at them, they look hunkered down. They don't look mm-hmm. like they are sitting in their personal power or standing in their personal power and I heard you talking about, even with children, that you teach them about their body posture and those types of things. Can, so can you say some more about that? Because I know sometimes that I feel better about me if I just, you know, sit up straight and breathe good and, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I do. I know exactly. Because when we feel powerless, our thoughts are impaired. And as as I said in a roundabout way a while ago, anxiety is caused by a combination of how we appraise a demanding moment. Is this a threat or a challenge to me? And then how we assess our ability to find the resources we need to deal with that threat or that demand in the moment. And those things happen to us. And it, all of this happens in such a nanosecond that sometimes it's just unless we already have that those neural pathways set up and ready to go, it's hard to move out of that, oh, my gosh, what do I do, what do I do, what do I do, what do I do, you know, that cyclic thinking of anxiety. And so remember several years ago they talked for a while about there was a God spot in the brain? Yes, I do remember remember that. Do you remember some of that? Okay, well, quite frankly, there is no one God spot. And they have done an enormous amount of research with different kinds of um, monks and long, long, long-time meditators and, and people like this. And there are certain areas of the brain that we stimulate in different ways to create stronger neural pathways. And one of the things we've learned about the brain is you can teach an old dog new tricks. So if we have a behavior that we don't, like, if we have a behavior that we'd like to release, 
then if we do the opposite of that and if we do it enough, we can change that pattern. So I've got some hacks, if you will, or some shortcuts to doing some of that. So when we look at the brain, and I, I don't want to get too technical, but for those that are interested in the physiological component of this, so the parietal lobe is at the top of the back of the head, you know, where your um, crown is, you know, back behind there at the top of the head. I'm a forceps baby. If you if they attach forceps to the to the top of your head to pull you out, where those two forceps would hit is where the parietal lobes are. Right. So that yeah. gives you an idea. Well, when we connect to the right parietal lobe, that's the self. That's the self orientation. And when we collect to the when we connect to the left parietal lobe, that's how we relate to others. And so when we do a very simple 888 breathing, where you breathe in for eight counts, you hold for eight counts, and you breathe out for eight counts, we are stimulating both sides of the parietal lobe. We are stimulating that self-orientation, the seat of the self. And we're also stimulating that area of the brain where we learn compassion, where we learn to be empathetic where we learn to see others in a really clear lens and in a kind lens, which is what we want when we deal with others, right? So you breathe in through the nose for eight counts, you hold for eight counts, and you breathe out through the mouth for eight counts. And it's a very simple little exercise that will make an enormous amount of difference. And most studies, when they do this in a study, it's very regimented and very regulated. So for the 888 studies, the majority of them have participants breathing this way for 20 minutes five times a week. And I know not everybody's lifestyle will allow for that. And so I tell people just to do it. I don't care if you're sitting in the traffic light, if you're taking a shower, if you're during a commercial for your favorite show, if you're walking, it doesn't matter. I just want you to do it. I want you to spend some time really connecting to parietal lobes so that neural pathway is stronger, that neural pathway of I know myself, I know who I am, and I can love others in that same manner. Those behaviors becomes so much easier to access. That information is easier to get to when we've simulated those parts of the brain. And it's an easy one that anybody can do. That sounds like something we could actually teach in our spiritual communities, Jamie. Yeah, we had Jerry here recently, and she she did the Sunday service, and then she spoke at a an area thing we call um, Unlimited Horizons, and she did that exercise in front of the group. People were amazed by it. I mean, at first it was like, you know, kind of like the hokey pokey, put your left, it's like, am I snorkeling? Right. And then all of a sudden you get the rhythm of it, and it was, it was it's pretty powerful stuff to do. And that's why if, if people are listening, you know, is to, you know, jot that down and try it. I mean, you can do it while you're listening right now. And, you know, Jerry will go over it one more time very briefly with you. But, I mean, we saw in that large gathering people really felt the energy of doing it, you know what I mean? And so that's why I say there's about being teachable. I always say that one, you know, Edwin teaches us that as well. I'm teachable. So what Dr. Jerry is saying 
you know, if you want to see a change in your world, you have to do things differently. And so some of these points that are being presented today are giving us, you know, opportunities to re-change the way we see things, the way we think and feel, and, and it's just powerful stuff. So, Jerry, if you'll, one more time, in case someone didn't write it down, they can write it down to try it while they're listening. Sure, absolutely. And I'm not, I didn't create all this. So you can Google 888 breathing, I'm sure, and get enormous amount of information. But very simply, you breathe in through the nose for eight counts, you hold for eight counts, and you breathe out through the mouth for eight counts. And you just keep that in a continuous cycle. And that starts to connect to that parietal lobe, which really gets you in touch with the you of who you are and our ability to see others in a very compassionate light. It's, it's a very easy one. There's another one that's, that's pretty easy, that if we want to develop more of that prefrontal cortex or the whole frontal cortex, for that matter, these are based on some Harvard studies where they showed that people actually grew more gray matter in the prefrontal cortex simply by breathing a certain way. And we want more prefrontal cortex connection because that's that part of our brain that says, wait a minute, wait a minute, do you really want to say that? Is that the way you want to say that? Or is that the action that you really want to commit to in this moment? It's that part of our brain that kind of it's the observer who gives us that opportunity to say, okay, wait, all right, before I say this, there's got to be a nicer way, a gentler way, a clearer way to say this. Or it helps us from being not spontaneous, but spastic, surely, in how we relate to ourselves and to other people. And that's also a breathing technique. It's super simple. You want to reduce your breath to no more than six breaths a minute. So that means five counts in, five counts out. Five counts in, five counts out. You do that six times, that's a minute. There's no holding of the breath. It's just in through the nose and out through the nose. It's very simple. But this will stimulate growth in the front of the brain, frontal cortex and prefrontal cortex. And that helps us so much when we're making decisions. When we are choosing a path or coming into alignment with you know, that whole question of what do I want? What do I want to manifest? What do I want in my life? Well, my teacher, as well as what I heard today, says be specific. The better my frontal cortex works, the better my prefrontal cortex works, the more specific I can be, the better I can focus on those things that I want to bring into my life. We use this a lot when I'm doing manifestation work with people. We use this exercise a lot because we want to be able to attend and be focused. There are so many ways that our bodies and the world and even our own brain tries to pull us out of that space. So the stronger that prefrontal cortex is, 
the easier it is to stay connected, to stay focused, to stay in the zone. Does that make sense? Most definitely it does. And so you use the second one more when you're working with people that need to manifest. Is that what you were saying, or did I misunderstand you? No. I Both of them are good for both. But if we're okay, looking gotcha. to create, okay, but if we're looking to create more focus and attention and complex thinking, can I can I give you an example of how that, that would be particular great. one yes. works in the body? Yes. Well, I was walking through an airport very late at night with a dear friend, and you guys are familiar with Cinnabon, right? Yes. Okay. Yum. Well, Cinnabon, Cinnabon's brilliant because they paid an enormous amount of money to research where the best locations are and how to get people into their kiosk or their store, depending on what they have. So their placement in a mall or in an airport is very strategic. They have fans that blow out all that yummy, cinnamon, sugary, buttery goodness that you smell and associate with the concept of the Cinnabon and to draw you in. I mean, they're just brilliant. So we're walking through the airport. It's very late at night, and I am with this gorgeous gazelle of a woman who's almost six foot and so innately graceful that I just feel kind of like the hunchback, you know, as we trot along with all our stuff. And she says, oh, my gosh, do you smell that? And I said, yeah, I do. She said, oh. I said, well, if you want one, I know I can't process the sugar, but if you want one, we have time, no big deal, I can wait for you. And she said, oh, Jerry, no. Don't you know, oh, the gluten and the sugar and what that would do to my body. I just love the smell, but no, absolutely not. I know better than to partake. And I looked at her and I said, you have a really well-developed prefrontal cortex. And she said, thank you. (laughs) What does that mean? And I said, oh, let me tell you exactly what that means. So Cinnabon is hoping to connect with your amygdala. That's what they want. They want that fight, 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 flight, or freeze response in your brain to be activated. Because your body's job is to keep you alive. And it does not matter what you eat. It wants you to eat because that's how it keeps you alive. And so the amygdala sends out this message to the rest of the brain saying, there's food, go get it right now. And the prefrontal cortex, if it's strong enough, will engage and say, wait a minute, you know what sugar does to you? You got your panels back from the lab. They told you about sugar intake. What about the skinny jeans? All those questions come up, and the prefrontal cortex, then their job is to keep you from running over and eating three Cinnabons without thinking. And so you start to stand back, and the amygdala is like, wait a minute, this is not going to work. And so it releases this enormous amount of dopamine, into the, free, into the frontal cortex. And what does dopamine do? It makes us dopey because it's trying to disengage that prefrontal cortex so it doesn't tell you not to go. And then if your prefrontal cortex is really strong, it will come back from that and say, no, wait a minute, this is not the best decision. And the amygdala is like, darn it, they have got to stop breathing. So now what we're going to have them do is the amygdala will release 
a drop in blood sugar. And so there is an immediate drop in blood sugar in the body. And the amygdala says, see, we're dying over here. Go get something to eat. And the amygdala doesn't care that it's a Cinnabon, but nobody's standing there with a stalk of broccoli waving it at you. (laughs) The option is the Cinnabon. And so the next thing you know, you're standing there with a receipt in your hand and sticky lips, and you're not sure how you got there. And so what we want to do is keep that prefrontal cortex so strong. I don't care if you eat a Cinnabon. It doesn't faze me in the least. But what I want is that you made a conscious decision about whether or not that was the right thing for you in the moment. And then I want that thinking taken into every part of our lives. I don't care if you buy a new car or don't buy a new car. I don't care if you break up with a boyfriend or girlfriend or don't. But I want it to be a conscious decision that this is what's best for you in this moment. I want it to be a full brain decision, not that ancient reptilian part of us that just wants us to eat something so we stay alive. Does that does that help explain how we work? That helps a lot for me. What about you, Jamie? Well, I mean, I was really wanting a Cinnabon, but she killed that. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I was about to start slobbering over here. It's like, oh, that sounds really good. <laughs> So Jerry, probably more so Jerry, than a piece of broccoli would sound, feel very good, or celery, or anything else. But anyway, right. <laughs> so Jerry, before we get ready to close, I mean, I want to I want to cover up a little bit about this whole shifting from so our listeners understand stepping into personal power, and then how does personal power and spiritual power mingle and mix together in a way that supports one another. Mm, Such a good question. Okay. Well, in my perspective, when we come into personal power, we, you know that feeling when you're just in the zone, when you're clear, when you feel like you could get through the family Thanksgiving with nobody crushing your soul or spirit. I mean, that feeling of, ha, here I am. I believe that the more I'm in that space, the more connected I am and the more liberated my thinking is, the more synchronized I feel, the more ignited my actions are and then therefore more effective, the closer I am to God, the closer I am to that source, that alignment that allows me then to create what I really require and desire in my life. And when I separate from that source, when I disconnect, I move into a place of powerlessness. And, and depending on where I am in a place of power or a place of powerlessness, each of those spaces have huge consequences in my life. When I make decisions coming from a place of powerlessness, I procrastinate and I don't take chances and I look at something as a threat. It's much easier for me to take something personally. 
But when I come from a place of power, I can be very clear that, you know, one of Ed Wing's greatest things is when someone says something and it just doesn't resonate with you, instead of trying to change them or change the situation, just don't engage. And so you can say or you can think, isn't that interesting? You know, that's just his or her point of view. It doesn't impact me. That's powerful for me. That's coming from a place of power and allows me to connect so much more easily with my God, with the God of my being, and allows me to take in those ideas that are for my highest and greatest good. When I ask for something, it comes to me. Whether or not I'm willing to allow it or accept it is a whole other conversation, but it comes to me. And so when I am connected to my source and I am in that place of personal power, I get those million-dollar ideas. I get that missing piece in this particular situation. I hear or understand, ah, that's the right line I need to say in this conversation to make this situation work. Those, Those ideas and concepts come to me so much more easily when I'm in line when I'm connected to God. And when I'm connected to God, I am standing in a place of my most authentic self, and I am standing in a place of personal power, not ego, but, but power. And if, you'll, if people will take a moment, it's, it's so easy There's, to come into that space. One exercise that's so simple is think of a time. Just think of a time in your life where you stood in a position of power where you felt totally in control of yourself and just really in the zone. And so when you start to fall out of a feeling of power, you start to feel powerless, you start to disconnect from God, if you will go to that place of this is a time that I know I was in the zone, this is a time I know I was my best self, my most authentic self, and connect that way, it will move you back into that place of power very quickly. Does that make sense? Sure does. It most definitely makes sense to me, yes. Good. Good. So, Jerry, give us us the information on the website and tell us if there's any upcoming events that you'll be speaking at or anything like that so people can be aware of it. Okay, I the best way to reach me is through probably through the website. It's called efficientbrain.com. And that will get you to jerrylevine.com and some of the other the blog and and some of the other aspects of what I do. And I'm working on a manifestation workbook as we speak and hope to have that out in the next couple of months. And we have um, a workshop coming up. If you'll keep with the website, we have a workshop coming up in the fall that we're going to do in Las Vegas. And it's all about stepping into power, stepping into personal power. We're going to use the slot machines as biofeedback. And we're also going to do some really fun surprise activities over the course of the weekend. So we're working now to get those exact dates. And 
if you check in with that website, it'll let you know when we're going to be in Vegas and everybody can come play with us and get a little clearer on personal power and how to be our highest self. All right. Denise, you got any more comments for Jerry? You know, I would just say that, you know, these two methods that you shared with us today can help us create change in our world because sometimes it's easy to get caught up in some old habitual emotional loop that I get caught up in or that anyone gets caught up in and just knowing that there is a tool that's as easy as just breathing I mean it's not like I have to carry a bag of rocks around with me or anything else I just have to be me and breathe and that is just a beautiful thing well I am all about the easy there's got to be a way to make it easy. <laughs> thank you. Thank oh, you so thank much for being with us thank today. Thank you so, so much for, those for having who are listening, me. This is so fun. If you, if you guys are interested in having Jerry come and speak to your spiritual community to present to an organization, once again, you can visit her at the website and talk to her. She has spoken here at Unity of Pensacola. My congregation loved her. She spoke at Unlimited Horizons in Gulf Breeze, Florida. She um, was dearly appreciated and loved. And so just, just follow her on Facebook. Stay in touch with her. We're all looking forward to the Manifestation Workbook and any of the other exciting things that we know that Jerry will be doing in the near future. So, Jerry, we just want to say thank you so much for being with us today. We will definitely be having you back in the very near future, and I will see you next Friday evening. I can't wait. Thank you all so much. Have have a great rest of the day, Jerry. Y'all too. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. I mean, that whole thing about the brain, I mean, it's just so amazing to me because it just goes to show again, you know, talking spiritually here, we think we're so smart. (laughs) We think we know, and we don't even begin to understand. It's like when people try to tell you, you know, I, I spoke Sunday about what God, what is this thing called God is what I spoke on about. People still have their mindset of what God is, what God isn't. And, you know, you've got you to gotta, you gotta believe this way or you can't enter into the kingdom. And you've got you to gotta believe that way and don't, do, don't sit in the lotus position. That's, that's the occult. And, and it really, I mean, the way Jerry breaks it down is it's all how we take in information. It all is um, a lot of like you were saying, you know what I mean? I thought it was really profound when you shared that about, like, in your household with your mom. And I was like, God, I hope Denise's mom's not listening. But you know what I mean? My dad <laughs> I, I was the same way. <laughs> <laughs> My dad was always yelling, and I would say, you know, to this day, Denise, if someone raises their voice to me, I'm like, I shut down. Because right. I grew up in a household, and I would say, stop yelling. And he would say, I'm not yelling. And mm-hmm. so as he listening yelled, to the as dialogue, right? yes. exactly. Mm-hmm. But the dialogue that that Jerry was saying with you, it was I was going, oh my God, that, you know, I thought he was the most. I, I didn't like him because he was always yelling, and I really right. believe looking back now, he didn't think he was yelling. Right. You know what I mean? Well, and I know enough about my mother. I have said many times, you know, my mother grew up in an alcoholic home, and so for her to get anything across to anybody else, she pretty much had to raise her voice and do what seemed like yelling. And so to me as a little child, it just seemed like I could never get it right and this wild woman was raging and hollering at me all the time. You know, and 
what I know now as I've grown up in unity and gotten a little bit clearer about my own life is that she didn't know how to love herself. And so, therefore, she really didn't know how to love me unconditionally at all. So, you know, that's a that's a whole nother day for us to talk about, you know, spiritual contracts, because I really believe my mother and I came into this world with one, and I think I was here to help her understand about maybe beginning to under, understand about loving herself. So you remember that you remember the song that Annie Lennox had. I love Annie Lennox, but she had this song yes, out, I and it was, I think it was called Why. And in the song, yes, she kept, I know what you're she talking saying about. Why? But there was a line in the song that always went right through my soul, and she would she would kind of whisper it, and she would say, "You don't know how I feel." And it always spoke to my heart because, you know, I mean, talking about her parents, because I really believe, you know, when you're in the middle of the storm, you can't see it for what it really is. You see it for how you see it. But I, I mean, our parents act out the way they were taught to act out. And if they told their version, you know what I mean? If they told yes. their version, they would go, what do you mean I was always yelling? Or what do you mean right. I, I didn't pay any attention to you? Or what do you – but that's that's probably the DNA pattern that was passed because we, we teach what we know. And right. so you go – you know, we hold people hostage to the way that we saw them. And I'm not saying people listening that – you know, I mean, the only way to say it is if you're mean and obnoxious, don't blame it on your parents. You're grown. Get some therapy. <laughs> you know what I mean? People do that. Well, the reason I'm an asshole is because, no, you're, you've got to take some my therapy. Mama. <laughs> <laughs> right. So there, that's a big cop-out. But what I'm saying is, like we were saying about personal power, step mm-hmm. into accountability. Okay, oh, I had a challenging childhood. Um, or I... You know, I've had this issue, and I'm I'm willing now to clean it up. I'm willing to see a life coach. I'm willing to, to go to a therapist and work through so that I can transmute that energy. That, to me, is stepping into personal power and learning that as, you know, as I take each step, pieces of my past that were painful, resentful memories begin to fall away, and we become clearer, and I truly believe we become cleaner as spiritual beings. What's your take? Most definitely, Jamie, and I thought about what that thing is that we tried to talk about at the very beginning of this of this uh, radio broadcast today because it's called a rampage of appreciation. That's it. And what I believe that can get me back on track quicker than anything other than this breathing that she was talking about, which is awesome, is that a rampage of appreciation. When I start getting into those places within me, if I have a congregant that's mad at me or somebody that's upset about something, it's like if I can just take a moment and breathe into that moment and just start going in my mind of all the things that I have in my life to be grateful for, you know, I realized that that was just a, a tiny little something that does not need to get in the way of me and and me showing up in my full power and gloriousness. Of course, she kept telling me how smart I was. Now I'm feeling really good. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, of course. 
So, folks, if you were, if you were listening today or you're listening to the archive broadcast, if you got anything out of it, say something to us on Facebook. We love hearing for, from you and, and knowing that what we're doing is making a difference in your life. So as we come to the close of our program today, we take just a moment to say thank you. Thank you for listening in. Thank you for your presence on the planet. And we affirm and we know that your life keeps getting better and better every single day. Be sure to invite your friends and family to listen into our program either live or to our archive shows on the Blog Talk Radio site under Spirituality Today with Jamie Sanders and Denise Jurgen. We do love you, we believe in you, and we encourage you to keep on keeping on. We leave you now with the music of the awesome Dr. Judy Blackwelder with vocals by our very own Denise Jurgen and Jamie London and the song Wings of Faith. Until next time, remember, be good to yourself, be good to others, and keep spreading the light. Goodbye.
Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boostbytaxday to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. 